We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. It is the Sunday morning edition of the Field of 68 Best Bets podcast. Jeffrey, did you notice that I made it through the intro and my voice didn't crack once? Good job today. Impressive, impressive, impressive job for you today. No, I was I was thinking about it. I listened to Duncan Robinson's podcast on the Go uh, Go Blue for uh, Go Blue with Stu podcast feed, and he kept saying like the key to success is making sure that every day you just get incrementally better and incrementally better. So today I didn't want my voice to crack during the intro, and I did it, so I got incrementally better. And now my goal is to actually win a couple bets instead of going uh, three or four because I was three or four yesterday. I, I, I'm not even going to say what I was. So I, I'm just I'm just looking to get over 500 again after yesterday. <laughs> I'm going through my first, honestly, kind of my first rough spell of, of the season, which is kind of miraculous. Uh, I've been hot. I'm not right now. I'm not. Regression is a motherfucker. And I'm not even going to tell you. Hey, I'm not even going to tell you what I did for NFL yesterday. So <laughs> forget, whoever listened to this for college hoops, uh, add on an 0 for 3 for the NFL. And, and that was my record. It was ugly. Well, I, I will say this. Um, you did help me out. And, and make sure that my day was just a little bit better because you, I got a text from you um, about, uh, I don't even know. Should I say about, about no, no, okay. about, about Again, a game, I, about a game about, and some injuries. And yes, it, it, it helped you get some, some, uh, a win, a much needed win for you. It was, it got me, it got me to positive on the day because, uh, I decided to uh, go a little bit too heavy on Washington State and Stanford. I can't believe that game went over. Yeah, but Ugh. basically follow my follow my Twitter feed throughout the day uh, because I, I usually every day I'll have at least one um, injury report update or something as a game gets closer. And you know, and, and, of- and not just that. Make sure you follow it because there are going to be times when you say that you make a pick, right? We, we have a new partner. I don't know if we can officially say it yet, but there are going to be times where you can say that you make a pick and you post this pick and you can't say why you are making that pick. But rest assured, if you're making a random pick at like 4.30 in the afternoon, it's probably because you got a little bit of info that you can't put out there publicly. So that said, let's talk a little bit about yesterday's games. We have to get into the Kentucky conversation. We have to touch on Keon Brooks. Uh, we definitely need to talk about Auburn and Alabama and Sharif Cooper and that completely drunk basketball game that we just watched. But first and foremost, man, we got to give a shout out to Andrew Jones. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, he's it makes a me smile, winner. Man. It makes me smile. Almost three years to the day, you know, we talked to him, Robbie Hummel and I, earlier this week on our pod, and um, he said almost three weeks to the to the three years to the day he found out he had leukemia, mm-hmm. and and he was also, you know. There were so many interesting things. If you haven't watched it, you, you really need to. The Goodman and Hummel podcast, check it out. Uh, he was very introspective uh, about everything. And, you know, well, just said, real, real quick before you say that, for the people that didn't see it yesterday, Andrew uh, hit a game winning three um, with 1.1 seconds left at West Virginia to give Texas a win. They stay in first place in the Big 12 uh, standings. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, he, he had hip surgery this past offseason, and it, it went back to when he went through the NBA combine and the NBA people after his freshman year before he was diagnosed with leukemia said, hey, you're really, really tight. Uh, at some point, you should have, have hip surgery. He had it this past offseason and said, like, he's still getting used to his body and, and kind of his mechanics, um, and he's not shooting the ball well. And he was frustrated with that, but, but the thing with Andrew Jones is he's really grown up because – he admitted, like, freshman year, it was all about him. He, he thought he was one and done. It was all about his numbers. And everything that's happened with him, it's it's now all about team. And uh, he said even though he's struggling from shooting the ball, he's okay with it because he's rebounding better. He's defending better. And most importantly, they're winning. And the shots will fall eventually. Those were kind of his words the other day. And uh, the biggest shot probably of his career fell. And you can just see it on his face, Rob. Like, the emotion on his face after he hit that shot and then the emotion with his teammates after he made that shot was the coolest thing ever. That's that's what got me is that you yep. could yep. you could just see how happy everybody in that program was for him. And and so here's here's my thing on it, right? Like the fact that it was basically three years to the day, uh, it, it was actually three years to the day that he publicly announced and publicly um, uh let people know that he had been diagnosed with leukemia. Um, And I think uh, the last game that they played was actually three years to the day of the diagnosis itself. Uh, But like either way, like that's just kind of like a clean and tidy narrative for people like us to kind of jump on. I I think the real story, the thing that is, is so powerful and so impressive is what happened between the day of the diagnosis and yesterday. I mean, this kid had two rounds of chemotherapy, right? I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the videos of him in the hospital, um, like while he was going through it, when he was trying to like shoot baskets on on like a little basket in the doorway. Um, and it was just like he was a completely different person. Like I, I've, I've known people that have gone through chemotherapy. I'm sure you have. I'm sure everybody listening to this has. And what it does to, to a person's body, it, it just – it completely ravages it. And and like you have to because that's the way that you kill cancerous cells is, is to buy like loading your body up with these like chemicals that are just not good for you. But um it's it's the only way to battle it. And and the fact that he's been able to get back to this level is just such an unbelievable feat. Like yeah. I don't think it should ever be overlooked that uh, you know Shaka said it after the game yesterday. He was like um he was like Andrew was always like I'm coming back to play. Right. I'm coming back to play. And Shaka's like, "Well, how about you just get come home. back and come back and be alive right. basically right. is what he was saying. And like, I'm not trying to be flippant. Like that is when you're, when you're dealing with leukemia and cancer, like that is the goal it's to live. And not only has he done that, like he's thriving, man. And um, I, if you guys haven't heard his interview on, on Goodman's podcast, like, like you have to go back and listen to it. Cause like the kid's perspective on, um, life. on life, yeah. on improving, on, on bettering his community. Now, like 
I just the kid is so so inspiring and, and just I'm I couldn't be more happy he's for really him. Grown up. He's really yes. grown up since the last time I think I said in the pod, the last time I talked to him in person was at the combine. And, and back then he was he was entitled. He was a top kid coming out of high school. He chose Texas over Arizona. Everybody wanted him. And he was kind of entitled, like, like, why aren't you guys saying I'm a first round pick? You know, I'm I'm thinking of leaving, and, and he had no right being entitled at that point. He hadn't done enough his freshman year at Texas. But man, his whole um approach has changed, obviously, as it would with just about anybody who was diagnosed and and and, and had to deal with uh what he had to deal with. Um, um you mentioned you mentioned the shooting real quick. Yeah. Um over his last four games. He is now averaging – let me do the math real quick. Uh, he is now averaging 18 points, and he is shooting 12 for 28 from three, Good. which is – I hope I get this right – 42% roughly. Yeah, right. yeah 42 about there. 40, I, don't know, I don't know if it's right. Yeah. If it's wrong, someone's going to let me know. But, um, like, he's 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 figured uh, it out, he, man. He's, he's, coming, it, he's coming good. It segues into it's why Texas right now is kind of for real, right? Like, Andrew mm-hmm. Jones is back to kind of – he might even be better than the Andrew. He is. He's better than the Andrew Jones as a freshman because he's so, far more mature and he does everything. He doesn't just – it's not just about scoring. So you add him with Courtney Ramey, with Matt Coleman, a senior, with their front line, which is, man, it is – their front line, I love it because they're all, like, a little bit different, but they're big, mm-hmm. they're athletic, there's some skill with Kai Jones, there's some athleticism with Greg Brown, you know, Jericho Sims is just a monster um, of, of, a, of a man and an athlete. So I, 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 he is the most powerfully athletic human being I think I've ever seen in my life. Like the way that his like he he jumps, he is the definition of quick twitch. It's just like how do you how do you get that far off of the ground? Like there's no way that you're human. I, I refuse to believe that you're human. He's got to be yeah. like 25 percent frog or something. I, I love. I mean, that's and I'm really happy for Shaka. I, I really am mm-hmm. because of everything that that. Again, listen, you know, you had expectations. You're hired at Texas. You finally, you know, take the job from VCU. Everybody wanted you for years. You go to Texas and you underachieve. And you, you did. There's no other way to say it. You underachieved. Um, and, and now finally it comes together with a veteran team that has gone through a lot uh, in terms of adversity and, and a lot of losing. Yeah, you mentioned that you think – um, Andrew Jones is is better than he was before. And I just wanted to touch on that real quick. I don't know that I would say that he's necessarily a better basketball player. Like I think Andrew Jones from 2017 would probably beat Andrew Jones from 2021 playing one-on-one. But I think this version of Andrew Jones that has accepted who he is as a player, right. understands what his strength is, and is playing to that strength and just embracing the job that he has yep. on this team, which is to be a floor spacer, to be kind of a secondary creator, and to just be that guy that forces teams to have to pay attention to him on the perimeter. Like, And he's kind of embraced that. Yep. And doing his job to the best of his ability has been something that has been really impressive. And, and I actually um, – like I did just want to say one other thing because I, I thought it was really powerful. He had a quote. He said something in your interview where he said, like, he asked for his dad for advice, and his dad was like, don't um, – like, because for people that don't know, um, his father was – they were in a car accident when when uh, when Andrew was eight, and his father was paralyzed in that accident. So he's been in a wheelchair 
for what the last 15 years of, of, of his life and basically for all of Andrew's developmental years. And um, you asked him like, what has seeing your father go through that been like, and how has that, how has that helped you? And how has that um, taught you what you need to do to be able to deal with your own struggles? And I'm bringing up the quote right here. He said, uh, the advice he got from his dad was enjoy each day, take it as, take it as it is. Don't worry about the future or the past. Enjoy the moment live in the moment. And, you know, I really hope that he was able to enjoy and live in that moment yeah. that he had yesterday because pretty good for him. And it just brings a smile to your face. All right, let's move on. This, this, you know, um, who else enjoyed the moment yesterday? John Calipari, me, John Calipari. Me. I enjoyed the moment, the moment because Andrew, I had the Texas money line. So, so thank you. Right, you did from too. The bottom yeah. of my Go John to, Calipari go, enjoyed yeah. yesterday too, because, uh, Kentucky won its third straight game, Robert. And, uh, the train wreck is a train wreck. No more in Lexington. Um, they are winning games. Uh, and yesterday's was the best game they played by far this season, because listen, you can do it against Mississippi state. You can do it against Vanderbilt, but when you do it against Florida in Gainesville, I, I get Keontae Johnson's not in the team, but Florida still to me is probably an mm-hmm. NCAA tournament team. And, and they've got a pro in Scotty Lewis that they completely uh, made it ineffective throughout the game. Um, it was just a good team win. Like, it wasn't like anybody had an unbelievable game for Kentucky. They didn't. They took care of the ball. They moved the ball. They played like a team with some swagger, with some confidence, with some energy. They weren't putting their head down. And they're 3-0 and now since Terrence Clark um, has not played. So I, I, I don't want to say that about Terrence Clark necessarily, but I think – Again, what I do think is you've you've got some dudes now on the court that aren't entitled, that want to play, that are hungry. And Keon Brooks came back yesterday, and he was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So there are two things that I think are really important to mention from this game. The first one is the return of Keon Brooks, I think, is just so important to what Kentucky wants to do. Like, he right. does He's all of the low. He's not an no. NBA player, but but he's a great piece for the way they want to play. Yes, he's he's the guy that does the little things that allow all of these other pieces to connect and to fit and to work because he can he can play that four spot where he can guard bigs if he has to. He can switch on the smaller players if he has to. Like he's a really good defender. I don't think that it's a coincidence that the best defensive performance that Kentucky has had this season is when Keon Brooks was back on the floor. Offensively, like he's a guy that can can step out and, and at least be a threat to knock down a three, right? Yeah. He's a yeah. guy that's a that's a, a good pass. I think he finished with four assists yesterday. He's he's not he's not someone that's gonna like break down an offense, but he's a good passer. He's a good yeah. ball mover. The the offense moves better with him on the floor. Um he he can catch a lot at the rim. You know, he, he's yeah. got the skill set where if you have him against on a smaller defender, he can go get an offensive rebound. Maybe he can back somebody down and score around the basket. Um, if you have a bigger defender on him, like he can step out on the perimeter and pull him away from the basket. Like all of those things that we were like, well, I don't know if it makes sense being able to play Brandon Boston at the four. Like, it, can you guard if you have Jacob Toppin in there? Is he ready? Isaiah Jackson and Olivier Saar don't work together in the front court. Like a lot of those problems are solved just by having Keon Brooks on the floor. So it like makes everything work and fit together better. And the other part of it is exactly what you mentioned. Deshaun mentioned this on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he said like, it was the first time in, in the win, uh, the Mississippi state win, right? Yeah. He said it was the first time for him watching Kentucky where 
people were up on the bench cheering and yelling and celebrating and clapping. And it looked like the guys that were sitting were supporting each yeah. other. They liked each other. They were connected. And uh, the most important thing that, that I noticed was that BJ Boston, top five recruit, potential top five pick, seeing his draft stock tank this year, was up cheering, going nuts for the guy that he got benched for, Dante yeah. Allen. Yeah. So, like, to me, that it, it it's very obvious that this group is more connected now than they were before. And, and I'm not trying to say anything about Terrence Clark. I, I don't know enough about that specific situation to say, like, oh, he's not playing. He's better. Oh, there's no Cam Fletcher. They're better now. What the, Here, here's whatever. what I'll say about Terrence Clark. Here's what I'll say. And, and I want him to succeed. I like him. He needs to mature. He needs to mature. And the best thing for her to, him to mature might be them going 3-0 and without him in the lineup and saying, mm-hmm. oh, shit, you know what? Maybe I just got to buy into the team here. Maybe they're going to mm-hmm. be okay without me. And how does that look for my draft stock, right? Like, ultimately, come back. Be a good piece of this team. You don't have to be the guy. And, and you could still be a first-round pick if you do that. In fact, I, I think more NBA guys will 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 lock into him and, and appreciate what he is if he if he does that. How about this stat? Ready? Look. Kentucky yesterday, not one player on the team had more than eight field goal attempts. Mm-hmm. The balance on this team, Mintz 13, Boston 13, Brooks 12, Sar 10, Askew and Isaiah Jackson 9 apiece. Like, everybody had a role on this team yesterday. And think about how much harder you're going to play if you know that. Mm-hmm. If you know what your job is and you and you do your job. And and I just want to circle back to one thing real quick. You mentioned how, um, how guys buying into roles, right? If you look at, like, throughout John Calipari's tenure, the success that guys have had where they've kind of accepted what their job is, like, to me, that's what Cal has always done the best. Like he sure. got Anthony Davis to be like the guy that shot the fifth most shots and, and Michael K. Gilchrist to be the guy that shot the fourth most shots on a team. But it's like the number one and number two prospects in class. They ended up being the number one and number two picks in that year's draft. Devin Booker came off the bench and look what he's doing now, right? Um, Carl Anthony Towns like played 22 minutes a game and averaged 11 points and was the number one pick. Uh, Tyler Hero, look at – he accepted a role. Tyrese Maxey, he accepted a role. And look at the success those guys are having right now. I, I think – because there are only so many players, like Bam Adebayo accepted a role, and now look at what he's doing. There, there's there's only so many players in the NBA that can be a superstar. Like everybody in the league is going to be a role player, is going to be asked to do a job. And yep. if you can prove that you can accept the uh, and and do a job that you're asked to do, regardless of what that job is, maybe it changes depending on what team you're on, what organization, whatever. If you can show that you're willing to buy into the team concept, accept a role, and do whatever you have to do to help that team win, that is how you stick in the – not how you get to the NBA. That's how you stick in the NBA. And I think that – I don't think it's a coincidence that we've seen uh, these these Kentucky guys have success. All right, let's talk about that other game in the SEC. Well, I was uh, going to give a transition here. Okay, give me you're, – you're better you, at segues you, than I am. Sometimes, Yeah, sometimes you suck at the segue thing. Uh, Kentucky's next game, Tuesday, at home against oh. Alabama. Robert? That's that's why you're the pro. That's why you're the pro right there. I don't know right if I'm there. The pro, that's why you're the pro. Go ahead. I set you up. Oh, uh, yeah. Kentucky, Alabama. Al- Alabama on Saturday. That, that was one of the dumbest games I've ever watched, just in terms <laughs> of like, it was just nonstop back and forth. Uh, neither Don't team would have played all that much defense. Oh, it was so much fun. I was just like, the whole time, I'm like, what is going on here? And also, like, Alabama, you guys got to do better for me, man. That line was five. I touted you. I said you guys could win. You had a wide open dunk. 
that ended up getting blocked that would have given you the cover. Five seconds left. You're up by four. You need to get the ball, and you know they're going to foul. And you turn it over, and you can't even get fouled? You can't even get me those two points? I needed that from you, Alabama. You've got to be better than that. But I don't think Alabama cares. I I think Nate Oates would probably be going like this (laughs) to you right now. Uh, Because you have been an Alabama Crimson Tide hater. All season long, you have been doubting the Alabama Crimson Tide. I, on the other hand. You have. It's I, finally I'm paid gonna, off. Three three years of saying that they're going to be a great team. Okay. <laughs> finally You're there. one throw out, throw out. It was Avery Johnson. Okay, throw that year <laughs> out, all right? Uh, last year, yeah, I screwed up. This year, I, I think – listen, I, I'm not saying Alabama is a team that you can rely on every single game because of how they play, right? I mean, if they're, if they're missing shots – uh, defensively, they can be hard to watch at times, but Josh Primo was terrific yesterday. Um, you know, Petty Petty's the key for me for them. I, I say it all the time. If if John Petty's good, like if he's really good, John Petty, he looks like an NBA player, right? He's got size. He's shooting the ball. He's locked in defensively. He's really good. But the key for me yesterday was Jordan Bruner, the yep. Yale transfer was absolutely phenomenal. And he gives them something they, they, they've they never – they haven't had. Well, they didn't have last year for sure. So, um, great, great win uh, for Alabama because it wouldn't have been such a great win, Rob, except Auburn had Sharif Cooper back. And, man, talk about a kid who's fun to watch. Like, if we should do this at some point. The guys you'd pay money to see, right? We should come up with a list of, of top five, top ten guys you'd pay money to see. Sharif Cooper? Hell yeah, he's on that list for me. Yeah, number one on that list is Jalen Suggs. And then I number two is, I don't know, we could talk about number yeah. two at some yeah. point. Um, I just want to touch real quick on Jordan Bruner because I think that what he can do in the role that he's being asked to play is so important to the way that Alabama um, can kind of get to their ceiling, right? Like he is, he's six foot ten. He can protect the rim. Uh, he can switch if you need him to. He can yep. make threes. Um, he's a really good offensive rebounder because, like, he's big and he's strong. And he's got these broad shoulders and he just takes up space. Uh, he's a really good passer. Like, have you watched him play for Yale last year? Like, he was the guy that was kind of they were kind of running their offense through. So, um, I, I just the it's kind of like Keon Brooks in the sense that, like, when he plays great, it brings everything else together that Alabama not, wants to be able to do. Now, right. uh, you mentioned Sharif Cooper. Um, it might be too late for Auburn this year. Um, and I don't know if Sharif Cooper is ever going to be good enough defensively to, to kind of let them be as good as I think they can be. But what they were missing was a shot creator. That's the one thing that they were missing. They have a whole bunch of guys that are finishers, whether it's like knockdown shooters like a Justin Powell or an Alan Flanagan or guys that can catch a lot at the rim like JT Thor or the, uh, the Thorne, Cardinal isn't kid. Isn't yeah, he's he's, he's going to be – yeah. He's going to be a good player once he kind of puts it all together. Uh, but they have a bunch of guys that can finish off plays. What they were missing was someone that could create those shots for them and create those they opportunities. Point guard. They've been they, playing they all this year without a damn point guard. So, to me, you add Sharif Cooper, who's wild as hell, right? I mean, he is wild right now. I mean, the two shots he took at the end of the game were atrocious. Atrocious. Mm-hmm. But the one thing he can do, he can make people better. Like, I was surprised. I thought he'd be more of a pig. Than he was. I mean, he's moving the ball. He's dishing it like, and he can finish. I I think again, I haven't seen him enough, but just watching him, the biggest thing for him is is obviously his perimeter shot. It would look like to you, right? 
Yeah, the shooting and the defense. Like he, <laughs> oh, right? Well, I'm not even worried about the defense yet because <laughs> you you, sh- you should be worried about the defense. Yeah, but I don't. Ca- to me, the offense and what he does for Auburn clearly outweighs anything on the defensive end because um, he gives them he gives them a guy that can make everything easier for everybody else. They can outscore dudes now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, let's let's put it like this. I think we we need to auto bet Auburn overs like from now for for a while because yeah. it's going to take a while for that. To oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, they got to auto bet Auburn overs. He changes um, them. Whoever's listening right now, the next game they play, which is I will tell you right now, who they play next. Uh, the second I see that line, I am betting. I'm going to bet the over. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to bet the over. They play. I, I, hope, I hope you're there with me. They play Georgia at Georgia on the 13th. Oh, bet, bet, bet the over. I will bet, bet the over. Bet the over. <laughs> Georgia. They stink. They yeah, stink. but you know, but you know what? You know what? it doesn't matter because uh, probably Auburn score seventy. Not, yeah, Auburn, Auburn, Auburn can't stop anyone. All right, so uh, let's talk about today's slate. Um, we have one game that is really, really, really good on the schedule. It is uh, Minnesota at Iowa. For people that don't remember. The last time these two teams played, Minnesota um, Minnesota beat the Hawkeyes uh, yeah. in the barn in overtime after Iowa blew a seven-point lead in the final 44 seconds um, of regulation. Marcus Carr had 32 in that game. Brandon Johnson hit eight for nine from three. I don't think we've even uh, seen him make a shot since then. Um, so uh, the line, I believe, is nine and a half. What do you, uh, what do you make of this spot here? Um. I mean, my my gut says take Iowa. They're rolling right now. Like they look really, really good. Obviously, it's a completely different uh, Jordan Bohannon uh, since then. I, I think it's been a different Marcus Carr, to be honest. Like he, when he was great, and and he was great against Iowa, uh, against St. Louis. Their two biggest wins, right? Marcus Carr had thirty-two against St. Louis, thirty against Iowa. And, and was very efficient. Okay, very efficient. Got to the line 19 times against St. Louis. He was six to 13 from three against Iowa. Uh, the last three games, he's 11 of uh, 41, 11 of 41 from the field, and uh, five of 18 from three. And against Michigan and Wisconsin, he only got to the line twice apiece. So well, teams, the teams have really focused in on yes, slowing him down. Hundred percent. And I think I think it's important to note that in the Ohio State game, his supporting cast went off. Gabe Kalsher made a bunch of shots. Yep. Uh, Ruth Gosh made a bunch of shots. Liam Robin uh, Liam Robbins played his be- the best game of his career uh, against Michigan when they lost at Michigan. Liam Robbins was nowhere to be found. Gabe Kalsher was one for five from three. Uh, Ruth Gotch played the twenty three minutes was completely ineffective. Um, like my talent, when I look at, it, I say like talent wise. Minnesota should be able to stay within nine and a half, but I don't think they're gonna. I don't. Yeah. So I, to me, like this matchup just makes so much sense to bet on Minnesota because Marcus, like the questions that we have about Iowa, how do they guard ball screens? What do they do against teams that can shoot? What do they do against teams that have big guys that can pass the ball? But Minnesota on the road this year. Gave up 92 points to Illinois and lost by 27. They gave up 71 points to Wisconsin and lost by 12. They gave up 82 points to Michigan and lost by 25. And now they're playing on the road again against an Iowa team that's playing probably their best basketball of the season right now. So uh, that line has already moved from 9.5 to 10. I just checked on my phone, so I put in the bet. you got to be on Iowa in the spot. Uh, you just, I'm, I'm you staying to. away. I, I don't I – You just, have to be on. 
I, I just don't know. Again, I don't know which Minnesota team shows up. They can't win. I don't think they can win this game. But can they stay within 10? Maybe. If I was betting, I, I'd take Iowa, but I'm, I'm staying away from this. Yeah, game. until – for me, like I, I think until Minnesota can prove that they can be competitive on the road, I'm just going to – the road Minnesota yeah. is an auto-fade for me. All right, yeah, second best game of the day. Yep. Second best game of the day is probably Maryland at Illinois. I would guess there's there's not a lot of great games. Today, Xavier, why don't we start with with Providence Xavier just because it's the 11 a.m. tip and uh, 23 minutes. Baby. That's in. It's 10:37 right now. How, how's that? Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't love. I don't love it. I don't love either. I side. like Xavier here. I like Xavier. I think they're going to get their mojo back uh, a little bit at home. Early tip, Providence to me. Uh, I think they're without Jared Bynum, um, their mm-hmm. point guard. Um, I just I don't trust Providence. I just don't trust them. I love I love David Duke. I love him, love him, love him, love him. Uh, I just think Xavier's got a lot more up front, and I think Fremantle, Fremantle to me is a tough friggin' matchup. Really tough for Nate Watson or whoever for Providence. So I, I'm taking Xavier lane three and a half here. Yeah, my only issue is that Xavier has not really played all that well recently. They struggled yeah. a little bit with St. John's at home. Um, they got whipped by Seton Hall at home. Uh, they hung with Creighton for a while, but they blew. I think they were up like it was on uh, two days before Christmas. I think they were up by like 15 in the first half and ended up blowing that lead and lost at Creighton. Yeah. Um, so like they kind of lost their mojo a little bit, but. It's also like an 11 a.m. start at home. Weird things happen. Uh, I, I it's I'm I'm staying away. I just I don't have. There are teams where I feel like I have a great feel on what they are, like yep. a Minnesota, uh, like an Iowa, uh, like an Illinois. Like we can we know when we want to bet those teams. When it comes to like Providence and Xavier, it's just I don't know. I don't have a great feel. I'm to me I'm I'm 100 staying away. Um, if I was going to be on someone, it would be the home team playing the early tip. I don't want to bet a road team playing an early tip. Um, but yeah, it's a stable. All right, now we can get to your Illinois, uh, your Illinois Maryland game, um, which is uh, Illinois giving ten at home to the Terps. Illinois clearly the better team here. Um, I like the over. That's what I like. I like the over in this one. I don't love Illinois giving. I mean, I listen. If I'm going anywhere, I'm I'm going Illinois giving the ten in this one. I, I just don't trust Maryland. You know. Um, but I like the over here. It's one forty six right now. So, 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 take me through why you like the over. Well, I just think Illinois is going to be able to to jump out, okay? And, and the way they play, they play fast. They're going to get out and run with Io, and I think Maryland fighting from behind. They're going to have to speed it up. They're they're going to be fighting from behind all games, so they're not going to be able to to control pace. And, and they're not anyway. It's not like they're a team that you can feed it to the post against Illinois. How are you going to do that? Like, they're going to play into Illinois' hands to me, ultimately. So I think I kind of like Maryland to be able to cover here. And the reason for that is when when we when we look for who we want to, to, to bet on against Illinois and bet against uh, – um, or when we want to bet against Illinois, uh, it, it all comes down to the ball screens, right? To, like, to me, it is the – 
Illinois basically is like, is it a good matchup for Kofi Coburn or is it a bad matchup for Kofi Coburn? And I think that that's Maryland is a bad matchup for Kofi Coburn in the sense that uh, they run a lot of ball screens. 22% of their offense comes out of ball screens, according to Synergy. Um, and they rank in the 94th percentile in efficiency in ball screens. Um, so to me, I just I think that this is a tough matchup for Kofi. Like we saw what Maryland can do when they space the floor when they went into Wisconsin and they beat up on Wisconsin. I don't think that they're necessarily going to beat Illinois, but again, like I think I think you kind of have to bet on good matchups for Kofi Coburn and bad matchups for Kofi Coburn. I don't think this is a great matchup for Kofi Coburn, so I think I'm going to be on Maryland as uncomfortable as that is. Um, but it just, you know, when, when you can space the floor may, and maybe, you know, what maybe the bet is to take Maryland in the first half um, and, and wait for uh, Brad Underwood to make the adjustments that kind of like what he did against Northwestern. Um, maybe that's what the, the real play is here. Uh, but I, I mean, I think it's just, it's a good matchup for Maryland. It feels uncomfortable. I, I feel like, I feel like that's where the value is on this line. Uh, another decent game, Virginia Tech against Notre Dame. Uh, I think Virginia Tech's been undervalued all year. I really do. I mean, I know given six and a half in Blacksburg seems like a lot of points. I don't feel like Virginia Tech's getting the respect they deserve. They've beaten Villanova um, and they've beaten Clemson. Those are two of the better, like Villanova is a top four team in the country, no matter how you slice it. And Clemson's been the best team in the ACC and Virginia Tech's beaten them both. So I just feel like Mike Young has done a really good job with this group. He gets the most out of his talent. We know that from what he did at Wofford. Uh, he's got you know a lot of his own players now, um, so I, I and Notre Dame to me, they're like fool's gold, you know. They're they're you know, if if Nate Lashevsky isn't making threes, I don't know how they really score the ball at a high level. So I'm going to take Virginia Tech here. I, yeah, I actually love that as well. Um, I wish I got it when it was at uh, six and a half this morning. It's up to seven. Yep, it's up to seven. Um, I love that as well. I that's all I got for today. There's really nothing else that I'm all that. I got one more interesting one. What's one that? more very very interesting one? UNC Asheville plays Hampton. Okay, uh, I know you're smiling right now. Uh, <laughs> UNC Asheville lost to Hampton yesterday, seventy three seventy one, I believe, at Hampton. They're playing again today at Hampton. Right. This will be Hampton's fourth game since Monday. They played Monday. They played Tuesday. They played Asheville yesterday. They're going to play again. Asheville did not play twice earlier this week. So four games in the span of what does that make it, Rob? Six days? Mm-hmm. And they also played on December 30th and December 31st. So that is that's six of games, games that they're going to play in 10 days. Yeah, it's a lot of games, Rob. That's a lot that's of games. games. Um, so, you know, it, it's strictly looking at it from that perspective, honestly. And, and it also plays into our, our – kind of rematch type mm-hmm. game. Um, they played them tough. They played they played Hampton tough. They lost by two. They get another shot on them a day later. I really like Mike Morrell and UNC Asheville here. You got to bet on the fighting Mike Morrells. Right? Never right. never fade Mike Morrell. Boom. Definitely don't just, fade him in, in Vegas. I just I just locked it in. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Little inside joke there. A little inside joke. Um, what do hey? One more, one more, one more. Okay. I think Vermont's getting on track now. I think Vermont's getting on track. They were awful coming out of the gates. Everybody's like, "What the hell is wrong with with, with Vermont?" Uh, they're healthy now. They they beat Binghamton yesterday. What they beat? What did I, what was that final? 
Uh, I'm not even sure. Okay, I've, I'm I, I've stopped. I stopped paying attention to uh, to Vermont once Anthony Lamb left. Yeah, they beat Binghamton by 16, um, and they are favored today by 12. I think Vermont's going to continue to get better and better and take out their aggression from their early season losses to UMass Lowell, NG, NJIT, and Albany. How about that? I mean, mm-hmm. who would have thought? So I, I think they're going to take – poor Tommy Dempsey. He's going to take the brunt of Vermont's frustrations uh, today. So I'm going to take Vermont. Uh, I'm going to take the fighting Mike Morels in UNC uh, Asheville. I got Xavier. I got the Illinois over, and I got Virginia Tech. How's that? I have uh, what did I what did I just put in? All right, so I have um, Iowa minus. Uh, I took nine and a half. I bought the half point. Um, I have UNC Asheville. I'm going to follow you on that one. I have uh, Virginia Tech. I'm going to follow you on that one. And I took Maryland. See if that ends up paying off. So say Maryland. it again. Tell me what you got. Maryland plus nine and a half. Uh, I have, um, I have UNC Asheville minus three. I have Virginia Tech minus seven, and I have Iowa minus nine and a half. All right, all right, all right. Hope we rebound. Well, let's hope I rebound. You rebound. I'm, You're, I'm gonna, You're okay. I'm you gonna, didn't kill people. I, did. I was I was profitable yesterday. All right, Jeffrey. We will uh, we will talk to you guys again um, tomorrow morning. Peace. Have a good Sunday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.